0: Bracken and Bell together.
1: There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now, this will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with.
2: Well, suddenly it's become a rout.
1: Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart
0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. So, yesterday the transfer window creaked closed, which has given us quite a lot to talk about really. Um, So we're going to mention that later in the show. We're going to talk about some arrivals, some departures, uh, and of course we have also tonight's match away at Ross County to discuss as well. But before we do that, we'll introduce uh, the guest for this evening. Joining us as always is Richard Hay. How are you doing, Richard?
1: Yeah, Martin. Thanks for that. Um, the how you doing? Question. I, we, yeah, that's often just something we say and we don't really listen and we just respond. I don't know. I think in the last sort of week, it's really brought home how difficult this whole last period has been these last couple of years. And then obviously we had the we had the Kevin McNaughton um, tweets last week, which which really you know they stopped me in my tracks to be honest. Um, when i saw those and heard obviously um, the other tweets trying to get hold of him and there was that horrible hour and a half where there were no updates and, and you were fearing the worst and um i mean i know personally how difficult it was without a sense of purpose when i had a period of unemployment myself and um it was difficult on me and it was difficult on those around me because I, thankfully I did have people I could talk to and people who were trying to support me but kind of withdrew into my shell and was and was pretty numb for a lot of that period. And You know, we think footballers have this great life and it's all peachy for them but coming out of the full-time game it must be such a difficult transition for them. People might remember we had Brian Irvin on the podcast um, years and years ago he was at the same point, I think, just coming out of, um, I think he'd done some coaching in South Korea. And prior to that, he'd been coaching, managing, involved in punditry. But he was about to kind of transition, come out into Civvy Street, if you like. And he was clearly finding that difficult as well. And I think we, when there's a period of change, when things maybe aren't right in the home front... It's difficult. It gets difficult and it builds up. And I think as men and as young men in particular—not that we are young men, Martin—but uh, um, as men certainly, it's not something where we find easy to do to talk to other men about this sort of thing. So, so yeah, just a kind of reminder, I suppose, that that "how are you?" question—if you're with friends and you're with people that you care about—you know, make a point of actually asking that, as opposed to it just being a sort of blandishment that you might introduce yourself with because it's important because it matters so yeah that sorry about that opening spiel but yeah that that sort of moment last week when the Kev super Kev put his tweets out there was pretty harrowing really uh and um obviously it was a relief to to hear that he, he was safe and well um and hopefully he can he can start on the road back
0: yeah, most definitely. I do I just want to add to that, where there's no you, someone like someone like him, for example, who receives a lot of love on social media, particularly from from you know supporters of Aberdeen um, and supporters of um, Cardiff. It does really reinforce that it can it can affect anybody, whether you're a, I know a footballer, ex footballer, or you're just um, as you say somebody on Civvy street. Um, it's really important, and you know. We shared on the feed um, the details, the contact, things like that. We'll do it again if, if you do need to talk to NMD. Yeah, we do reach out because it's it's so important for. You no, know, it's not something that we do, is it? As men, um, we don't speak to each other, um, and I think we probably should a little bit more. Also, want to introduce to our guest to the show this week as well, and making his return. Uh, it was John Collin. How are you doing, John?
2: Hello, I'm uh, I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, no, I'd just like to. To echo how you guys have, have so eloquently said there it was um it was very distressing to see uh, see how it all played out with Kevin McNaughton during the week and um you, you can only hope that the the outpouring of support that uh, that we all saw um after that that that's brought him some comfort and uh, yeah we'll we'll help him on the road to recovery so it's yeah um yeah it's it's really difficult sometimes to see the to see the bigger picture when when you get in your own head like that so it's um yeah, it just underlines that importance of being able to, to, to check in on, on, on your people who are close to you, but, but being able to ask for that help as well. So, um, yeah, no, I can only, can only agree with what you guys have said. So, firstly, we're going to
0: talk about the, the transfer window. As, as Richard is well aware, this is one of my favourite favorite moments of the football season. <laughs> um, this final day where, um, well, firstly, Richard, did you stay up till midnight? Yeah, I mean, like, how, late, how late did you stay up last night in the hope that they were going to announce the arrival of free transfer Roberts?
1: <laughs> like an absolute mug, despite knowing fine well that nothing would be happening, I was up until midnight. Gone are the days when it, they'd at least have the courtesy to um, send out on um, their website that you know our business is done for the evening. Gone are those days. They'll make us uh, tease and uh, they'll ha- make us hang about. because it, I mean, I know they, they were still trying to do stuff pretty late. I, I don't think this is the, necessarily the plan to have ended up in this, in this scenario. I think they were still looking at adding at least one attacker into the mix until quite late. So it, it, it was possible, and it's it's certainly happened before that we've done business right up to right up to the deadline. But uh, it it just always felt a little bit... I mean, we knew from the outset that Ryan Hedges was going to be away almost certainly this window. Uh, I kind of wonder if his performance at Paisley the other week almost made that happen in a way because I think if you read what Stephen Glass has said subsequently about him, he just sounded really down on him and his performances since this news had broke. Yeah. I, I just think we we could have... We could have foreseen that and been a bit more forward-thinking about the replacement strategy, unless, of course, you consider that uh, uh, Vincent uh, Basui is the is the replacement, which you you know which is plausible. But no, I was like a mug up till midnight last night, hoping that we'd uh, that we'd do something rather than expecting we'd do something. I suppose.
0: Well, John, um, Richard mentions Ryan Hedges there. I thought it was very interesting that um, in his interview he did when he joined Blackburn. Uh, he pretty much admitted that from about January the first, is you no know, he'd he he'd, he'd kind of he'd, he'd had his eye on Blackburn. He wanted out. But mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, where where do you stand on Hedges? Um, are you kind of much of a muchness about it, or do you see it as a real loss to the side?
2: Yeah, probably closer to the former. To be honest, I mean, you can you can certainly see the argument both ways. Um, you, you're never going to recoup a huge amount of money. Uh, by selling at this stage with, with um, five, six months left on the contract. But at the same time, you I, I feel like it's it's probably the right decision on the balance of things. I, I don't think he's, um, while he, he's clearly been an important player this season and, and during his time at Aberdeen, I, I don't think he's indispensable in the way that, that other people have been uh, to this team. So, and uh, as as you've kind of hinted out there, Richard, I think Glass is... Has has been quite open in in suggesting that he's um, he, he can drift in and out of form and he can drift in and out of matches to a certain extent. So um, yeah, it's uh, I, I think it probably is the right decision in the rounds. It's 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 the way I would have probably gone with it. Um, would would have been to cash in now, especially if uh, as he suggested with that interview that uh, that his head was uh, looking towards where he was going to be in the summer, regardless.
1: I think I'd have to. Say that I'm on that side of the debate as well. That I think it was it was the right call to move him on and at least try and maybe bed in somebody else. At least try and go a different way. Ryan Hedges has been a strange one because that first season was wildly inconsistent. Obviously bought as a central player by Derek McInnes to to play in that number ten role, but when he played, he very often found himself out wide, which really didn't suit him under you know the way we played under Derek McInnes, which was very often trying to supply crosses for a target man he wasn't somebody that was really good at doing that I think he had that real purple patch and that was of course in tandem with Scott Wright playing off Marley Watkins for about six months maybe even less than that really um, perhaps three or four months is closer to the mark uh, at the start of last season and he did have moments but uh, they were frequently in um he was a bit of a flat track bully at times, wasn't he? I mean, he got that hat-trick against uh, the team from the Pharaohs last year. Uh, two of his five goals this season came in the uh, conference league game against Breda Black at he, he I find that he didn't very often make an impact in the games against the Rangers or against Celtic, which is disappointing, especially when he moved to become more of a, a key player, really, in the last, 18 months yeah I think on balance it was a successful transfer and we've got a we've got a fee at the end of it but yeah I'm not going to lose any sleep over Ryan Ryan Hedges leaving he's he's been part of the problem this season that we've had in an attacking sense as much as anybody else who's played as much as the manager he might have been the best of them but he has uh, been the best of a misfiring bunch
2: you've touched on there Richard I think the the best uh the best spells that he's had in that team has been when marley watkins was playing at the same time uh and i think it shows you how integral uh watkins has been whenever he's he's been at the club um uh, as much as hedges i think hedges has always played in fits and starts he's always had uh good games but he, he looks he looks borderline unplayable and he's always had games where, where he's drifted a wee bit now that's maybe maybe partly down to not um making the best use of him but but i think uh he is one of these players that um, he kind of he plays well when the team's play the, the team plays well to a certain extent rather than uh, rather than in reverse.
1: Yeah, he he definitely needs somebody to be on that save, same wavelength as him. He definitely he found it with Scott Wright for that for that brief spell before obviously uh, Wright moved on in the transfer window last January.
0: One of the other names we saw come in as well? Probably the one that um... Put the cat among the pigeons on social media, shall we say, is uh, the arrival of Adam Montgomery, on loan from Celtic, um, young left-sided player. Um, he's 19, 19 years old. Uh, Richard, the topic the topic that's been going about all day, whether it's been on social media, whether it's been on WhatsApp, WhatsApp chats or anything like that, is, of course, should we be loaning players from our rivals? Now, the example, of course, people will use is... Ryan Christie didn't do too bad for us. That's something that people will use as a positive. You know, when Ryan Christie played for us, we did finish second in the league. Yes, we didn't win any trophies, so therefore, would you would you class that his spell as a success? But on the negative side, we improved. We improved a player for a team that at the at that point were as close to being our rivals. So, firstly, where do you stand on loaning players from either of the the top two teams? Um, and secondly. Where do you start where do you think of you no know, young Montgomery coming in? <laughs>
1: This is, this is a bit of a hospital pass, isn't it? Let's be honest. It really is. Um,
0: you, you, did, you did it to me a couple of weeks ago, so I'm getting you right back with this one. This,
1: this is really, the, and the debate's really been, sort of on one side you've got the fundamentalists and on the other side you've got those who who understand the kind of real politic at play here. You know, the fundamentalists are, are, are going to argue that um, we should be pure in what we do, if you like. We shouldn't be bringing loan players from anybody else in this league for, for fear that all we do... Really is improve that player for that other team and he's not able to help us in games against that team that's well and good but I think what it fails to understand is the stockpiling of resources by the bigger clubs now And in Scottish terms, obviously Celtic are one of those bigger clubs. It's not quite, you don't quite see it to the extremes that, you know, Chelsea do it or or various other of the European super clubs do it. But, you know, they've obviously got lots of options at left back. So they're able to loan out a guy like Adam Montgomery, who by all accounts is a very good prospect. Scotland under 21 player played a decent amount of minutes for Celtic themselves earlier this season, before they started bulk buying players from the Japanese League. I'm not sure the Christie comparisons are direct ones, because I genuinely think that Derek McInnes thought that he would be able to weasel Ryan Christie out of Parkhead permanently at the end of uh, that loan move. And again, by all accounts, we're not privy to any inside information, but by all accounts, he came very close to being able to do that. Doesn't sound like there's any chance that we can do that with Adam Montgomery. It sounds like this will just be a straight loan for the next uh, five months. And it is a position that we're not exactly lacking in contenders for that spot. If he is an out-and-out left back, I believe he can also play a bit further up the park at left midfield too. But at left back, obviously we've got Johnny Hayes, we've got Jack McKenzie... You've got Andy Constantine coming back. Also, clearly, he's been used as a central defender more um, in the last couple of years. And we don't really know how soon, how far away he is. We've pictured him running, but, you know, that's merely the first step. And there's there's a good few stages to go to from, from running to actually being involved in full contact football. Anyway, on balance, I think it was a needless... PR blunder to bring Adam Montgomery in, because I don't see specifically that it's an area of the squad that desperately needed addressed at this point in time. So I would generally tend to be on the realpolitik side of the debate, but on this particular case, I don't think it was a signing we needed to make. And Again, I think it's a needless PR blunder between the club and its support.
2: I do wonder how um, how people would talk about this transfer if it wasn't for the the whole Ryan Christie experience that we all went through, um, because that was so so specific in that it was the the team that um, we were most directly competing against at the time, and yet he also made for a very exciting player to watch. Uh, clearly m- improved the the Aberdeen teams he played in, uh, and then it so uh, <laughs> so clearly ended in, in frustration in that. Uh, those teams never won anything and and Christie ended up going back to Celtic and being such a huge success with them. That, uh, yeah, I think if if it weren't for for that having happened, I know that's a a completely counterfactual argument, but uh, if it weren't for that, I feel people would be a bit more positive about this transfer. Okay, I, I agree in principle that you don't want to be developing players for another team, particularly one in your own league that, that you would be hoping to compete against but uh, let's face it this season Aberdeen aren't competing against Celtic when it comes to the league so he, he could certainly be a handy player judging by the, the, the language they used in the statement when they unveiled him. they see him as a guy who can kind of fill in in a lot of different places uh, so if he, if he can help and, and play a significant part in the in the remaining league league matches then uh, then yeah that it, it makes sense from that point of view but uh, the the importance of the Scottish Cup is 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 obviously huge to Aberdeen and uh, if you're going to get to the latter stages the chances of coming up against Celtic are, are pretty significant so there's always that in the back of your mind too uh, he's not a player I know a huge amount about but uh, I I can see why they've gone for
1: it obviously the first thing that crossed people's mind when when they heard that. Um... The interest in him, they they, they assumed that either Jack McKenzie or Johnny Hayes must must be out, and we haven't heard about it. But no, both of them, of course, are both of them feature tonight. Both of them are fit and healthy, it seems. He's versatile, but it doesn't sound like he's you, you know um, to to use Martin's example the other week, Nicholas Alexanderson. Um, you know, I think he he can fill in a couple of positions on that left side, which is which is good. Clearly, I think the other side as well is that there's been. Talk about, you know, why don't we, uh, if we wanted a left-sided defender, why didn't we um, recall uh, Ngoyen from um, Kilty, I think it's uh, he's at. Well, I think the thing is that he is getting minutes there, he, and that's so valuable to him. If we were to bring him back, just as cover on the left-hand side of that pitch, he wouldn't be seeing any minutes. And that's really my concern with Conor Barron, to be honest. Conor obviously got 45 minutes in the Scottish Cup game. Was on the bench last week at Paisley. Didn't make the match day squad today. Montgomery took his place. But to be honest, in those league games, because he was on the bench um, at Petaudry uh, two weeks ago as well. But in those league games, I never thought he had a sniff of getting on. Um, we're back up to nine substitutes in those league games now. So it kind of feels that he's been brought in more to bolster that bench. And the development that he would have made with those minutes in the first half of the season, that Kelty is going to be stunted, I fear, because I, I don't think he's going to see many minutes in the second half of the season. So, you know, I almost think it's better to bring in somebody like Montgomery, basically as backup in a number of positions, rather than stunting the growth of one of her own youngsters.
0: I mean, John, you look at the some of the reactions to the window, there's obviously you get the usual social media outrage, because... There are there are gaps in the squad that we could be we could be could be looking to fill, um, but do you do you think the window is the disaster that we've? You know, a lot of people are claiming. There's obviously been a lot of anger towards the club. I wouldn't have liked to have been Dave Cormack waking up this morning and checking his mentions, for example.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever like to uh, to go through his mentions, to be honest. But um, <laughs> the, the yeah, I think when you, when you you look at a general kind of, particularly on social media, uh, you look at a general reaction to a, a transfer window. It's always skewed towards it being positive. Uh, the more signings are made, and I don't necessarily think that's always the um, uh, that's always a good thing because you know i think whenever you see a new signing come in you always think the possibilities are are, are limitless you've not seen this guy in a red shirt so you don't know what his ceiling is you don't know how uh, how good they can be and and you always you're always hopeful that, that they could uh, turn uh, turn the team into a winning team or at least play a big part in it so you're always you're always more uh, positive i think the more signings you see there was obviously a huge amount of turnover in in the summer so I don't necessarily think, on the face of it, that having a quieter window is uh, is such a bad thing. However, I, yeah, you 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 only need to look at the squad to see that uh, there are um, there could certainly be issues up front if if there were to be injuries, uh, and and you would like a wee bit more depth in there. Um, but uh, I, I'm not uh, I'm not one who's gonna who's gonna buy into the histrionics of, of saying it's been an absolute disaster. I still think it's it's a serviceable squad and it's a decent first eleven. But uh, yeah, I can I can see why people are are unhappy with it though.
1: Yeah, I and mean, social media absolutely distorts things. You get people involved in a kind of weird temper one-upmanship. You know, they have to go completely nuclear in their response just to get noticed on there uh, a lot of times as well a lot of people just love signings for the sake of signings just as, as you pointed out john just the idea of the the thrill of the unknown the thrill of something new and we see it so we see it much more often than the excitement around somebody who's a genuine unknown like ronnie hernandez or like a uh, uh, vicente Bazui. <laughs> they don't always turn out quite so well you know some of the more successful signings in recent years have been the dull safe Predictable ones, but they work out well. They haven't all worked out either. But, you know, Adam Rooney coming in, not a surprise. Absolutely trademark. um, Darren McInnes signing did what you expected him to do. Whereas, again, some of the more left field ones have floundered. In fact, you know, again, so much talk over the last period about how limited and I'm on this podcast as well about the limited range we had of our scouting under Derek McInnes and Russ Richardson compared to compared to now for example when we are exploring other markets. The thing is you you had an actual test example to judge us against during that period because you had a team with a very similar budget to ourselves, Hearts who were engaging in a pretty scattergun transfer policy, bringing in random unknowns from various leagues across Europe. How well did that work out for them? Well, it got them relegated, is what happened to them. However, yeah, you don't need to be a football expert to know that we are are lacking in goals, and it would have been good to see some more solutions, some more options for the manager to try and uh, change that up, because... Excuse me. That's partly because some of his uh, summer window signings just um, haven't been able to impose themselves on a game, on matches successfully. Yes, uh, G. Emmanuel Thomas, I am looking at you once again. But it's it's also because the squad has been imbalanced since uh, since the summer. However, what it was post the summer window, and we definitely spoke about this This on here, was it was ridiculously bloated. I think we had 28, 29 players, something like that, coming out the summer window, which is far, far too many, even with the possibility... In fact, no, I think Europe was off the table by the end of the window, wasn't it? So it wasn't even as if that was, that was possible. I'm happier we are working with a smaller squad now. It's 24 names that I can see who are in and around the first-team squad, albeit that includes three people who have barely made, uh, played any minutes for Aberdeen before the window shut last night, and Bizzoui, uh, Polvara, and Connor Barron. I think that there is a reasonable depth there, just a little bit imbalanced in key positions. Too many midfielders, not enough guys who can really impact uh, the game at the top end of the pitch.
0: Obviously, some of the names we've seen go out. We've seen Samuels, he came here, didn't really impress. Longstaff mm-hmm. came here, didn't really impress. Um, obviously, we've spoken about hedges. Uh, Neil has gone at Dundee. Some of those names are guys who perhaps should be, able, should have been the ones that were, you know, challenging and making impacts at top end of the pitch, and, and weren't really able to do it. Is that perhaps where some of some of the angers came from? Where, you know, rather than rather just going for perhaps would you say a a, a tried and tre- tested, you know, you know, English Championship or League One player that we know know about. They've brought in a guy from America who, you know we don't know much about other than you know what we've heard from online. Obviously, Richard spoke to one of the guys over there and did a wee deep debrief of him. He's came over here and then we find out he's got, he's he's got an injury, needs an operation. Uh, is that something that perhaps where people have decided that? They're going to go as Richard says, nuclear about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like the polar opposite of the of the old McInnes gripe that you are you, getting players who are returning to Scotland that we've all heard of, and now we're getting people that we've not heard of, uh, and yeah, it's the it's the the exact opposite. But uh, yeah, I, I get the impression that Povarres is, is clearly seen as a bit of a longer term project that he's not going to have an immediate impact on the team and. Uh, yeah as you mentioned with the, the the guys the guys who are leaving they they were probably each of them maybe to a lesser extent Ger, uh, they were um people that and, and, and obviously uh, obviously not hernandez for for different reasons but they were they were guys that um that were seen as likely to have an impact on the first team and uh, and make a real difference And the fact that uh, they haven't, and and the their the placed in the squad haven't been replaced. I can I can see why that's frustrating. But um, f- from what we've seen of of, of so far is that he, he he looks like he he's ready to go straight away, uh, and uh, and and perhaps Montgomery will be the same. So in practical terms, you you are replacing uh, all, 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 although you're replacing six players with with three, it, it may not work out quite quite that way in reality. It is worth saying, of course, a word about McGinn leaving because he's, he's been, you know, certainly in the, in the top five players of the last 20 years for Aberdeen. To, to see him go is always going to be a sad moment, but um, it's certainly not one that snuck up on us. We, we've, we've all kind of seen it coming for quite some time. So uh, these, are, these are moves that I think in isolation all make sense. When you when you wrap it in a bow at the end of on January the 31st, it maybe doesn't look quite so satisfying. But um, I, I I don't think it's 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 as as bad as people are making out. Perhaps.
1: Yeah, with the exception of uh, Hedges, if you look at Gurr, Longstaff, McGinn, and Samuels combined, it's less than a thousand minutes in the league. Fifty percent of one player's league minutes so it's like half a player contribution that you're getting from those four players who've, who have gone out the door and in terms of assists or goals nothing in terms of just anything very very little so they'll say that this is a strategy young players sell on a future sell on value and we are still investing in the squad i'm pretty certain that's what they'll come out and say Uh, in addition to, all, you know, the usual other targets fell through at the last moment, etc., etc. I don't entirely buy that, but nor do I entirely discount it. But it's a lot to put on the shoulders of uh, a 20-year-old, I think, in uh, in Vicente's case, and uh, a 21-year-old in Dante's case. Someone described this uh, transfer policy to me as a jam-tomorrow policy, and I think that's absolutely spot on. John, I'll put,
0: put this to you. Is the real win or victory out of this transfer window that we've managed to keep hold of Ramsey and Ferguson?
2: I mean, you can look at it either way. You can either say you want you want to sell before the, their contracts uh, uh, begin to, the, the end of their contracts appear to, um, begin to appear on the horizon, um, or, or you'd rather just have, have them in the team. I think the fact that the club are clearly in a position where they are able to assess offers and decide whether they want to sell on their own terms is certainly a good one to be in and the, and they've they've shown that that's clearly been the case this month uh you'd obviously rather keep a, a guy like ramsey who looks like a really special talent and ferguson who's, who's having a really good season and, and and has been fantastic since day one uh, with aberdeen so yeah you, you've always got to look at, that at a win but i think. Uh, the, the the slightly more nuanced win is the fact that the club are um, are doing these things quite sensibly by the looks of it on the face of it that they aren't just jumping at the first big offer that they get and that they are considering what's the best uh, how's how's this going to map out best for the club so that we're not in a situation where we're losing players for nothing which which certainly has been the case um, in more recent years uh, and that you, you're getting the best value but you're also getting a, a decent chance to, to have them in the team for a while and uh, and hopefully make uh, make the team a success in the meantime, which, yeah, uh, I think it, it is what we all want to see. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly a win and uh, it keeps them here for the rest of the season too, which is um, certainly a positive because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a team that struggled for form at times this season and they are, they, well, Ramsey's quickly become a very important player and, and Ferguson is, is more or less the heartbeat of that team.
1: Yeah, all I'd say is, Martin, that uh, suggesting that the biggest winner of a transfer window is that Ramsey and Ferguson are still here is dangerously close to (laughs) suggesting that uh, Mikey Devon and Mattie Kennedy are going to be like new signings, um, which is a line I'm absolutely certain we're going to hear over the next 10 days.
0: Uh, I was actually just to hit you with that. I can't believe you did that to me. (laughs) Um, What I will say about Ferguson, um, Richard, is that I suppose... In direct comparison to the to the Ryan he- Ryan Hedges situation, where you no know, earlier in the season, you know, Ferguson you know, wanted away. There was talk about you know him being unsettled. Obviously, there was a there was a bid from Watford, I believe it was. Um, obviously, his his father um, is just a professional mischief maker nowadays. It seems to be on on Radio Scotland, um, but he's got he, he's got his head down um, and he's just gotten on with the job. Uh, compared to Hedges. It was no real secret he wanted away, Part- particularly in the Ferguson case. I think that's why. Um, I think it's a, it's definitely a, it's a it's a, it's a bit of a victory that he's that he's not gone out the door.
1: Well, he has impressed me. His attitude recently has impressed me. You know, people have were moaning at him early in the season because he he didn't go to the the red shed and and clap with the rest of the team. I I don't really give a you know, expletive deleted about that. It's about how you perform on the pitch those 96 minutes and i think he's been he's been very good recently so i you know i don't have any doubts about his mentality going forward All I will say in both ferguson and um, ramsey is you obviously want to maximize their value but that's going to happen when they're in an upswing of form so hopefully lewis, uh lewis ferguson can drive on in the second half of the season hopefully inspire us to move at the table and with a fair winds and uh, touching all the available wood that's um, within arm's reach of me, a good Scottish Cup run, by which I mean winning the damn thing. In which case, you know, he will get noticed. People will be bidding for him and he will get his move. Ramsey's a different one because, yeah, you want, you want him to stay. You want him to learn because he still obviously clearly has uh, a lot of learning to do. But that early spell was so sensational. You worry if he's ever going to have that sort of shocker than you again and that ability. The teams just didn't really know how to handle him and just weren't equipped to deal with what he brought to the table. You wonder if he's going to be quite as noticeable again going forward. I, I sincerely hope he is. There's so much to like about him and the way he plays, his touch on the ball and so on. But i just concerned that maybe we haven't really seen great things from him since he came back from injury, but he's so young, of course, that, you know, you, you you shouldn't expect it to all be plain sailing for him at this age. I want him to take a leaf out of Lewis's book, just get his head down and um, just start giving us a, a flavour of those early season performances again.
0: You mentioned perhaps them inspiring and inspiring move us further up the table. So... um well, um, tonight we're in Ross County. <laughs> um, well, let's go first, obviously, John. Um, we'll start with um, the new man, Vicente Bizzoui. How did I get on with that one, Richard? Is that okay?
1: I would say that was a solid 7 out of 10.
0: A solid 7 out of 10. Okay. So yeah, John, um, we, we saw that our, new, our new star man tonight. Uh, what, did you, what did you make of his performance for a, for a, for a first appearance?
2: Yeah, I think for a guy who's, who's literally just not literally, but has just been parachuted, that would have been something. He's been parachuted into the first eleven. Um, I think he uh, he coped with it really well, uh, and he looks like he, he's a player who's going to be very exciting to watch. Um, he, obviously, coming in in Hedges' place, he's a very different kind of player. He, he uh, looks uh, really. Composed with the ball at his feet, looks like he's willing to try and take people on and make things happen. There was a, there was a wee a wee point during the game uh, where uh, he, he looked like he was um, crowded out in the in the uh, the right hand corner, and then he managed to just find a wee yard out of nowhere and, and whipped in a really good cross. So I think these are the wee kind of flashes that you're looking for in a debut, and it's uh, it's certainly encouraging. I think he's going to be a fun player to watch and. Uh, for a team that's uh, at times this season lacked a bit of creative spark, he's kind of exactly what I was looking for in that sense. Um, uh, I think uh, you maybe you maybe look for a wee bit more end product, and I, and I dare say he maybe drifted out of the game towards the end. But I mean, for for uh, for a guy that's that's only been in Scottish football for about a week, it's um, I would say it's pretty encouraging.
1: Yeah, I can I can only echo that to be honest. I would I wasn't expecting. Miracle from him, far from it, and um, I, I was encouraged by, by what I saw in it in a, in a lot of ways. It was that ability to look comfortable on the ball. Austin Samuels is a direct comparison. He was just all about knocking ahead of him and trying to use his pace to beat a man. The thing is, the, against the teams in this league, the way they're usually set up against us, you're not often going to find that space in behind. You are going to need players in your team who can who can beat players properly with a bit of trickery one on one situations. And frankly, before now, Ryan Hedges was one of the few. So we have lost one of the few. Hopefully, he can build on what was a what was a solid debut and start to give us a little bit more week in week out. But yeah, don't be expecting miracles from this guy in the first few weeks. However. You know these are big games coming up, and that Motherwell Cup tie is looming large.
0: So, John, tonight the only real difference from the most of the away games we've seen this season is that we actually managed to manage to score. Richard <laughs> and I have um, have really gone to town on somehow diabolical some of the away performances have been this season.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a mark of of how much of a slog the the Sub-Marian game was to watch. That I actually found it quite absorbing. Um, it was uh it, it was a much improved performance, and and certainly given the uh, how much of a concern the away form is, I, I thought that was encouraging. There was clearly a bit of a reaction in the way that they played, uh, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, Johnny Hayes rolling back the years with that goal. It was um, it was uh, a really nice finish and a, and a decent move as well. So yeah, lo- lots of encouraging signs, but still a lot of the familiar themes uh, that we've seen this season in terms of not being able to manage games quite so well uh, and and ultimately not being able to to get the three points despite for large parts of the game, having decent openings uh, and, and not fashioning clear-cut chances out of them. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a, a, an improvement, but um, y- you still come away from it thinking uh, this team isn't quite there quite quite there yet.
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly it, isn't it? I mean, we were all so <laughs> battered by that um, display at Paisley last week that uh, anything was going to look better, and it did look better. We were... You know, I look a much more competent and capable football team in, in in many respects. I did notice we were a bit more direct and not just for the goal either. Um, You know, a lot more long diagonals, I thought, from Bates to um, to either the fullbacks or the wide midfielders. The goal is it, it's a good ball, but it, it's about Johnny making that run. And it's about, I suppose, really what Stephen Glass wants from his fullbacks. Great finish too, by the way. Um, definitely something that um, some of our forward players could be could be taking a look at. Um, really nailed it in the bottom corner, uh, but what followed next was criminal.
0: Well, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> we find ourselves again, Richard. Another team. Though their, fir- their first opportunity, their first chance at goal. Joe Lewis has had nothing, nothing real, nothing really to do, all game. So a bit of slack play, careless play. Um, where it, not, not quite a goal-mouse scramble but you no, know, a, a, a loose ball in the box um, and we've you know, within six minutes, seven minutes, we've, we've thrown away the lead
1: Yes in, definitely not a goal-mouse scramble, that is to take away from the from quality of the strike it's a good finish, however there are as it is with every goal, mistakes I, I don't think Ramsey does brilliantly initially against Hungbo uh, and then when Charles Cook has the shot, it kind of def, it, pulls back. But the thing is every red shirt has been brought back basically to defend their goal because, you know, they are scared they're gonna lose the goal and, you know, they're not really thinking straight. Everyone's back on the edge of the box. No one is picking up Callahan. So when the ball breaks invitingly for him, he's got nobody with him to close him down. And he does get that split second to get a shot away. Credit to him for the strike. It's a good finish. But I mean every goal you can see, you can pick things at, but it's just the manner of doing it. Like, I really thought we'd done the hard part by taking the lead. And you're, you're right to say that they had offered not that much. Certainly, you know, I watched the game on, on Saturday and I, I thought they looked pretty impressive going forward. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Regan Charles Cook, not just with regards to us maybe trying to make a move from him in the window, but just, you know, all season. Um, He's obviously the league's top scorer, but we kept him very quiet this evening. So we did we did a lot of things right defensively but just it's that mentality of just being too nervous and too desperate to get back to defend the goal when it it wasn't really necessary you just had to keep doing the right thing as opposed to you know a desperate last ditch thing
2: yeah there, there definitely was a, a wee bit of nervousness about uh, and I don't know whether it comes from from the away form, whether it comes from obviously, there's a bit more of an awareness of, of Ross County being uh, being in, in, in a good moment, as they say nowadays. Uh, at the moment, uh, with their uh, their game against Rangers at the weekend, and they look like a, certainly a robust team and, and, and a well organised one just now with uh, with decent options going forward. So I think it wasn't treated as a as a game against a third bottom side. It was treated as a difficult away game. And uh, it was played with a degree of caginess that, that you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't normally see in a fixture like this, I think.
1: Well, every game for us at the moment, every away game is a difficult away game hmm. for us at the moment. But, uh, we have had one clean sheet away from home in the league this year, and that was at Perth during a period where you know they couldn't buy a goal. In fact, over the past 12 months, we have had two away clean sheets in the league, both at Perth. Um, So it it just continues. These are themes which were here before uh, Stephen Glass arrived and um, they have, if anything, become worse in his time here. And it's costing us big style. And it was one of Derek McInnes's major strengths. And no Aberdeen manager has had a better away record than Derek McInnes. And it's not easy to go away from home in this league and win. It's what gets you up the right end of the table It's what gets you into Europe and in two weeks time, again to reference it, we have a massive cup tie at Motherwell away from home and um, the consequences for for losing that one will, I mean, you know, if you think there's anger now, just wait until um, if we go, if we get beat that day. Which is a very chewy thought. I, I'm fully aware.
0: It <laughs> really, it really is. I was, I was, I was. Be honest, Richard. I was taking a second just to kind of think, think about how bad that would be. Um, you've really, you've, really thrown me off my train of thought. Um, Don't uh, have John, nightmares, <laughs> uh, John. Uh, so obviously, Richard's spoken about you know, some of the defensive stuff there. Attacking options that we have um, tonight. Um, you know, we do, we had we had on the bench. You know, we had Jenks. We had uh, Emmanuel Thomas. We had Kennedy. Obviously Ramirez is is, is always gonna start and you know, we're crossing everything and touching every single bit of wood that we can find in the hope that he stays fit, uh, and never gets booked, so is never suspended. Um but those those three I mentioned earlier, Jenks, Emmanuel Thomas and Kennedy are are bench benched tonight. Um and we've got Ojo playing up in the front floor of four. I thought I thought he was okay tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he it, it did, it didn't again, didn't massively impress um.
2: part of the problem with the St Manning game was uh, Ramirez cutting a bit of a disconsolate figure up front and, and no one really getting near to him uh, or, or in any meaningful way um, whereas I think that wasn't so much the case tonight I think Ojo for uh, for all the um, he, he sometimes doesn't make the most of uh, of the ball in the final thirds he's really good at getting into these positions I feel that that's been something that he's done ever since he was sort of reborn as this kind of attacking player at the start of this season is that he's, he's good at finding these pockets of space and uh, and and he nearly kind of got his reward at, at times tonight, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting that, that Emmanuel Thomas and and to a lesser extent Kennedy, obviously because he's coming back, but um, that they didn't get a, get a look in this evening. Y- you have to wonder what they have to do to get in that team because yeah, it's a team that, that that's crying out for for options in that department and uh, for for players to get around Ramirez and try and support him because uh, he's he's always going to be that guy who's, who's operating best between the width of the posts, so, so you don't want him doing too much else. Uh, so yeah, it's, it, it is, it is um, slightly concerning on that part. And uh, we, we all want to see Emmanuel Thomas producing um, the kind of form that we've seen in flashes. But um, when he's not even, even getting on the pitch in a game like, uh, like the Ross County one, it, it does kind of raise questions.
0: I mean, on Saturday, we're away to, to Livingston. Livingston, Livingston, who unbelievably lost to the well, what was the bottom side in the table table tonight? Um, but it's not like we can, we can. It's not like we have the the options or the luxury of taking taking risks or rotating, is it?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it'll be another feast of football um, at uh, <laughs> Almond Vale on Saturday. And um, St Johnston, obviously, yeah, getting the win, which um, they would have been denied on Saturday. as uh, Obviously, when we face the bottom team in the league, um, we, we never seem to win. So um, they've got the win tonight instead. Every game is important now. I mean, it's not much of an achievement, but top six will be key for Stephen Glass just because of the extra money it brings in. Clearly, we're still not miles off fourth. We've squandered so many opportunities, not just in recent weeks, but but throughout the season, to to be not just clear of the teams uh, currently ahead of us in fourth and fifth, but to be right up with hearts in third. And that is hugely frustrating, especially with the prize that's likely to be on offer for third. It really, it's so, so annoying that years of um, having to fight through European um, qualifiers from that started in June for finishing second in the league and now if you, if you finish third you're likely to be straight into the group stages. Anyway, each game is going to be a battle from now on in because each club's got their own agenda each club is fighting for points for their own particular battles and if you don't win the fight and win the battle in this league you get nothing. We're not good enough to and we never have Really, been good enough to go and impose a particular style of football on a game and dominate just by a style of football. You have to be up for the fight physically. Even the Ferguson side, I remember them obviously losing time after time to Morton, who were part time at the time. I remember they lost to Clyde Bank when he came up to the league. It's always been the case if you are not up for the physical fight. You can forget about trying to play decent football. You can forget about a footballing ethos. You have to be ready to face the challenge physically. At this time of year in particular, that's what a lot of these games will descend into. You know, had the game gone ahead on Saturday, obviously it would have been blowy as hell. It would have been been a horrible watch. And that's what so many games at this time of the year are. Actually, today, this evening, was one of the slightly better examples, I thought, in terms of you know, what we were trying to do and the pace we were trying to do it at. We are a long way from the idea of football philosophy right now. We have to fight for our lives over the next couple of weeks. Looking ahead to the cup game is natural, but yeah, it's it's wrong to discount these league matches that are coming up beforehand um, because fourth is still a, a, an absolute uh, goal and it's an achievable goal and it does offer a decent reward. Um, European football, it might not be the group stages, but even the qualifiers, the qualifiers that we've got through in the last few years, it's going to be close to a million pounds. Um, And that's money that the club needs. And frankly, I don't want to be in the League Cup group stages next year. I want to play European football next summer
2: you're right I think given the way that the that form has kind of oscillated so far this season that it would be a surprise uh, to see us put together a run that, that would mount a serious challenge for thirds um but it's it's not uh, inachievable to be reaching third and fourth at this stage uh, so it certainly should be an aim um and, and yeah like you say that they're, they're gonna have to be ugly matches but they're gonna they're gonna have to find a way of, of winning these ugly matches. Um, and while the the Scottish Cup, I think, uh, when uh, when you're around the kind of mid-table zone, the Scottish Cup becomes more and more important. The, the There is still a lot to play for in the league. So, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It shouldn't be forgotten.
0: Well, well, here's to three points in what will hopefully hopefully not be too ugly a match on Saturday. I want to thank Richard Hayes always. Thanks for joining us, Richard.
1: Yeah, thanks, Martin. No.
0: Thank you very much to John Callan for coming back. John, it's a pleasure once again.
2: Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it's been great. Cheers.
0: We'll be back with you um, probably next week. um, uh, But until then, come on, you Reds.